You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Want to look at the scriptures this morning? Uh, I'm sure you do too, and you don't want to just listen to my opinions. But I want to start off somewhere this morning. Jesus sometimes was accused of some fairly dreadful things. Sometimes he was accused of being corrupt. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. But in one particular accusation that was made against him, which we can read in Mark chapter 3, it says that people were saying that he was able to do the work he was doing because he had the power of Satan working in him. Anyway, Jesus was accused. A bit like, if you will, a, a politician who has a house that's just a little bit too big or who has ostentatious wealth. He was being accused of a form of corruption. You know, we've had one or two corrupt politicians in Ireland. I know that no other country in the world that's ever happened, but it has happened in Ireland. Or a bit like the person who has no job, but somehow manages to live in a mansion and drive a very, very large and expensive car and live an ostentatiously rich lifestyle, people can become suspicious. And so people were suspicious of the power of Jesus. And they made this accusation against him in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. And Jesus' response to their accusation that he had the power of Satan working in him was really simple. He said, lads, that's a thick argument. Because if Satan is divided against Satan, then Satan will fall. A kingdom that's divided against itself cannot stand and will not last. Just like a family that's divided against itself is bound to break up. But then he says this. He says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. That's the guy who can tie up the strong man. The strong man Jesus is referring to is Satan. And the goods that Satan is stealing is people and people's lives. And Jesus said that the only person who can tie up that power is someone even stronger. Whatever situation you're in today, whatever you face, remember this. There is someone even stronger for you than those who are against you. Would anyone say amen? Amen. I want to look this morning at this passage being worked out, as it were, as a lived parable. So Jesus tells the story, and then he goes on in the subsequent chapters to act out this very passage itself. It is what you call a parable in miracle, or a miracle in parable. And we're going to be looking at Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Now, to some of you, you're very familiar with this story. And that's okay, because it's always good to hear God's word again. Amen? The story follows on directly from Jesus calming the storm out on the lake of Galilee. He's out on the lake, and a massive storm blows up. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And the disciples say, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? And it says, he stood up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, quiet, be still. Well, this story picks up. Just after that. Now I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. And that is that I'm going to read it for you from my Bible. I'm going to read it from my own Bible this morning. And the reason I'm going to read this story from my own Bible is because as I read it, I realized, you know what? If we give full attention to God's word, it really speaks to us. And I wouldn't like your attention to be divided around the place. So I'm going to ask you as I read this to turn your attention to what the scriptures themselves say. 
I'm going to encourage you just to listen to these words. I can encourage you further and say, even close your eyes. How's about that for a weird challenge? No one's going to steal your wallet or your bag or anything. Don't worry about that. But just close your eyes and listen to what the Word of God says. Would you be up for that? Okay. So I'm going to read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. It takes less than the length of a Eurovision song to read this passage, which, as you know, is nice and short. May God bless us as we read and listen to his powerful word today in Jesus' name. They arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, bowed before him, and with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd, about 2,000 pigs, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. And then those who had seen what had happened told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Last verses. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so... He set off to visit the ten towns of the Decapolis in that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everything. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. May God's word come to life in our hearts and souls. May God's word be real and living as we listen and as we look at it this morning in Jesus' name. Before we go one step further, I want to say something really important. This story is not a story about demons. This story is not even a story about a demon-possessed man. It's not a story about boats 
It's not a story about Gentiles. It's not a story about Romans. It's not even a story about suicidal swine. It is a story about Jesus. This story is all about Jesus. It is written to show the power and the personhood of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. The other, other parts in it are the bit players in the drama that demonstrates who Jesus is. That was the whole purpose of this story. I want to look at some verses in it. And I want us to think about the process that happens here. And maybe it's something that you can relate to this morning. Maybe it's something that someone you love can relate to this morning. Let's begin in a couple of verses towards the start of the story. It says this. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was, he snapped the chains off his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with stones. This man was out. He was out of his mind. He was out of his home. He was out of his family. He was out of his community. He was out of society. He was isolated. He was marginalized. He was self-harming. He was mad. And nobody could restrain him. They tied him in chains for goodness sake. And but he would break the chains. Like, hello, who is strong enough to break chains? And here, this chain breaker has an encounter with the real chain breaker. Has an encounter with the one who could break the chains. You see, for all of the things that were going on, the demonstration of being able to break external chains showed how he couldn't break the internal chains. You see, I've met lots of strong, charismatic, capable people, people who are skilled and have lots of abilities and talents, but who couldn't break the chains that were binding up their hearts and their souls and their minds. They couldn't break those chains. They weren't able. And no amount of advice was going to help this man. Advice is good. No amount of help could help this man. Help is good. No amount of counseling could help this man. Counseling is good. No amount of therapy, no amount of medication could help this man. And those things are good. But they couldn't help this man because he needed something greater. He needed something stronger. He needed a stronger man to come into his situation and break his chains. And sometimes those chains, you see, when we think of people in chains, sometimes we think of people in chains as being failures, as being losers, as being outside. But sometimes it's very successful people who are in chains. Why do you think so many rock stars who are at the pinnacle of their careers end up taking their own lives or ruining their lives with drugs and alcohol and all sorts of behaviors? We can don't just think about the people who are lost and outside. Think about the people who are successful because they can be just as bound as anyone else. I love the next verse. Because Jesus comes into contact with this guy and something happens that I find really curious, right? So, you know, Jesus is coming, just calm the storm. The demons know who Jesus is, but something curious happens. Here's what happens. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him 
And he rang before him and he bowed low before, ran to meet him, bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of this man, you evil spirit. There's something wrong. And I tell you what's wrong. This man is running the wrong way. He is possessed by demons. He is controlled by urges that he can't control. Maybe you have urges that you can't control. He's controlled by these urges. But despite being controlled by the urges, despite being controlled by the demons, he still runs to Jesus and bows at his feet and begins to beg. What? He says, why are you interfering with me? What have you come to do with me? And another translation says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Which is reflective of Peter's confession when Jesus gave him the great haul of fish and Peter fell before Jesus and said, go away from me because I'm an unclean man. And yet we hear the demons say, don't torture me. And yet we hear his voice saying, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. You see, something interesting is happening here and something that you might see in your own life or in the lives of those that you love. Sometimes it can be hard to tell, to quote one commentator, where the demons stop and where the man starts. Where the man starts and where the demons stop. It can be very hard to see who actually is in control here. We often hear the phrase, or I've often heard the phrase, perhaps you have too, of somebody who gets drunk a lot. And then they start going on and what we refer to as rawmation, going on about stuff and they start talking stupid. And we just say, it's the drink talking. Yeah? Or it's his addictive behavior. Or we say, his mind isn't right. He's just not in his mind. I mean, I, I've known in my own life people who are schizophrenic. And they began to hear voices, and they would speak based on the voices that they heard. Now, at what point was the person the person, and at what point was the mental illness the mental illness? Are you with me? There are times when you even have to wonder yourself when you go, you know what, what is it that makes me open the fridge at night and eat more food? What is it? It's like, I'm determined, no, this is not going to happen. I get up, it's like, oh, eat me! Tom and I were having a discussion the other day, but you can't have a square of chocolate, you have to have a bear of chocolate. I'm like that. But what is it? Where does it start and where does it stop? And this man's running in the wrong direction. Can you see the clue that's going on in here? He still is able to come to Jesus. Despite what binds him, despite what holds him back, despite what's controlling him and cutting him and binding him, he's still able to come to Jesus. And then Jesus asks him in a very important question. And you kind of go, depending on who you read, which of the commentators, we're not sure who this question is addressed to. Here's the question, you know it. Jesus demanded, what is your name? That's a straightforward question, isn't it? What's your name? Jesus doesn't ask this question anywhere else in the Bible, by the way. What is your name? And the man responds. He replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. What is your name? He answers, my name is Legion. And the intimidating nature of the name Legion itself should say something about this situation. Because anybody in early New Testament times who read this story or heard the story would know what Legion meant. It meant an army division of the Roman army. That's what it meant. 
That's simply what it meant. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of how many thousands there was, but let's just say an army division that would number up to about 6,000, but that doesn't mean we pay attention to the numbers. The whole purpose of the name was to declare something interesting. It was basically saying that the name was powerful. The name means military. It means numerous. It means unanimous. It means purposeful. It's designed to deliberately intimidate because there was power in the name of Legion. People were afraid of him. And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. And this is where I started, where I felt the Lord speak to me as I read this story, as I was reading this and praying I felt the Lord speak to me in this one. Do you know something interesting about this comment? This man said, my name is Legion. But Legion was not his name. Legion was who he had become. Legion was the label. Legion was the misnaming of this child of God. You see, because most of the people who walked past him saw a madman, a demonic, someone out of control. But Jesus saw a person. So when Jesus demands, what is your name? Who should answer that question? You see, the devil has been into identity theft since the word go. Since the word go, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and you'll see it. There is the enemy immediately getting involved in identity theft. And it never stops after that. And still to this day, he is stealing the identity of God's people. He is still doing it today. He's still calling them losers. He's still condemning them, shaming them, calling them sinners, calling them wasters, calling them addicts, calling them weak. He's still doing it to this day. In actual fact, if you want to see what identity theft looks like, it is writ large in our current culture. So loud and so large that it's right in your face. It's being put to us almost every time we switch on a device. You see, identity theft works like this. We know that the enemy is in the identity theft business when Michael becomes Monica. When Tom becomes Tina. When Mary becomes Mark. That's when we can see it. Writ large. I'll tell you something. Whatever you identify yourself as, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a design of God. The scripture says you were formed and knit together in your mother's womb. You are a unique and individual creation of God himself. You don't have to question who you are. That is who you are. You are made in the image and in the likeness of God. But the devil hates the image and the likeness of God. And he wants to mar it and he wants to destroy it at every possible opportunity. That's what he wants to do. Let me tell you this, if you want to look at the odds, I don't think you'd get odds like this, but it's worth it. You are probably somewhere between a 1 in 20 million to 1 and 1 in 100 million to 1 chance of even being born at all. God has a purpose for your life. He has a design and he has a plan. But so much often inside us we wonder, how can I be a Christian when I feel like this? When I want to strangle that guy, how can I possibly be a Christian? When I give out to my children, when, when, you know, when those, I'd go to them, that would be too dangerous to give out to them now. 
But when I gave out to my children, or when I got really annoyed with someone, or when I just felt like I was just not able to control that particular urge or whatever, as you, put the, you fill in the blanks, we realize something about ourselves. That there's also within us powers at work. C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, as you know, said this about himself. When he became a Christian, he wrote it in his book, Surprised by Joy, which is basically his testimony. I love what he says. He says, For the first time, I examined myself seriously for a practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me. A zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. I looked at myself and I said, I'm lusting, I'm grabbing, I'm greedy, I'm proud, I'm envious, I'm jealous. This is what he said. I didn't say this, not me like. (laughs) My name, he said, was Legion. Hallelujah. He recognized that, brothers and sisters, it's in you too. And there are some here this morning, and you know something is holding you. I have news for you. Jesus is here too. Hallelujah. Jesus is here too. What's the price of a pig? What's the price of a pig? I even looked it up. doesn't matter how much the price of a pig is. I don't want to bore you with that, but I know this. Jesus isn't interested in pigs. He's interested in people. I'd love to tell you that no animals were harmed in the making of this sermon, but that wouldn't be true. That wouldn't be true. This is what it says. There was a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs. The spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them. What did he give them? Permission. Who's in control? Hallelujah. Jesus is in control. And it goes on to say this. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, if you owned those pigs, you wouldn't go, hallelujah, the man has been delivered. You wouldn't go, oh, hallelujah, Jesus is here. Let's just take a moment. No, you wouldn't. You go, look at my pigs. A herd of 2,000 pigs, hinting an indication of how many demons this man had, but also an indication of the value of this man over and above money and wealth and possessions. In the eyes of God, no pig, not even 2,000 of them, was worth more than this bound individual person. No one was worth more. And this is what gets the attention of the locals. Because now their farm business has been ruined. Ruined. If you were a pig farmer and you lost 2,000 pigs, you'd say, I'm ruined. And this may have even been the local economy itself being affected by such a massive loss. It's not like you can drag them out by the legs and chop them up and make bacon out of them. They're dead and they're in the lake. But Jesus is not interested in the price of pigs. He's interested in the price of people. And he made this whole journey across the lake to meet one man. He made the journey across the lake and went to the cross even if there was just one man. He would have done it for one person. Hallelujah. And then it gets interesting. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. It was a terrifying transformation. When he was mad, he was frightening. But when he was sane, it was even more frightening. 
I grew up watching The Incredible Hulk. Did anybody here ever watch the, the Incredible Hulk? The movies of The Incredible Hulk, the series. Do you know the scenes in The Hulk? If you've never seen it, go out and watch it. It's a good movie. It's kind of clean. It's kind of fairly family fun. But in this guy, he turns into the Hulk, this green giant. But then when it's all over, he goes back to being himself. David Bruce Banner is his name. He goes back to being Bruce Banner, the normal guy. And he kind of shrinks. I particularly like the 1970s and early 1980s version of it because every time the Hulk grew up and became huge, for some reason, all of his clothes would fall off except his jeans. <laughs> I often watched it even as a child thinking, how much more interesting would this program be? <laughs> but here's this man returned back from this Hulk-like powerful state, a chain breaker and a shackle breaker, a howler and a color with stones. And now he's sitting there clothed and perfectly sane and in his right mind. Hallelujah, what a transformation. I've met so many people over the years whose experience was that before they met Jesus, they were driven mad with anxiety, driven mad with concerns and worries and fears. But after they met Jesus, they were clothed and in their right mind. What a terrifying transformation this man went through for these people. And it goes on the worst part, the saddest part. And then the people who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and about the pigs. You see the priority? The priority was, look at him! And then they said, oh yeah, by the way, we lost 2,000 pigs as well. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. If you say, Lord, go away, leave me alone, he'll go away. He'll leave you alone. Really alone. And they pleaded with him because their values were so, pardon the word, screwed up. Their values were so upside down or as they saw it, right way up. And the kingdom's values were the wrong way around. That's how, that, 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 that was the confusion. They said, Lord, go away. We don't want you to cost us anymore. That's the implication. Don't want you to cost us anymore. When they saw this man in this condition, having had the encounter with Jesus. The demons gone. The pigs gone. The trial gone. The torment gone. Jesus present, this man in his right mind. Hallelujah. 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 Maybe we're at the last bit. Here's what it says. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus said, No. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And you know, like, Hang on, this is wrong. Like, I want to follow you, Lord. No. We all, we, we've sung before. When Jesus say yes, nobody can say no. When Jesus say yes, nobody can say no. I'm going to do another one. When Jesus say no, nobody can say yes. When Jesus... For some reason, I don't think it's going to be as popular. I can't imagine why. But sometimes Jesus says no. Are you willing to hear a no in your life? Because he wants to hold out on you and he wants to spoil your life and ruin your happiness. No. Hello. The reason why Jesus said, no, go home to your family, because it was this man's family who would recognize the transformation that had happened in his life more than anybody else. He could tell everyone in Jerusalem. He could tell everyone in Judea and Bethlehem and all the towns around it. But they wouldn't understand, but the people who knew what he was like understood. And this man, maybe he was a married man. Maybe he had children. But I know this, he was somebody's son. He was probably somebody's brother. And he walks through the door, transformed, on. Un- 
recognizable to them. All because of what Jesus had done. And Jesus gives them a commission and gives them a mission. And that's what I'd say to you today if I could. Go home and tell people what God has done for you. It's like you don't have to be, and now I shall say unto thee. No, just tell them what God has done for you. Because what God has done for you is undeniable. It is your testimony, it is your story, and tell it as often as you can. Will anyone say amen? Just tell them, and that will be the mission. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go this way because the kingdom would be advanced more in that way. The testimony about Jesus Christ and the message about God would transform better as it went with that man back into his life. And it says, as I come to somewhere near a wrap, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region. And he began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, you may not have a testimony as powerful as this man. I had a thousand demons and I was delivered. But you do have this. I was delivered from my sin and from my shame and from my guilt. I was going nowhere. I was going the wrong way, but Jesus put me on the right way. I was going the wrong way, but he brought me into his way. That's a message worth sharing. Would anyone say amen? And you see, we come to this, just coming, coming towards the end. We're nearly there, brothers and sisters. Nearly there. Peter is with Jesus. And they went through a very difficult time in John's Gospel, chapter 6. And in God, John's Gospel, chapter 6, a lot of people turned away from Jesus, no longer following because some of the teaching that he was talking about, the bread of life, were really hard. And going, we don't get this thing. I don't understand. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Lads, are you going to go away too? Turns to Peter and the guys. Are you going to go away too? And I don't think there was tears in Jesus' eyes. It was a straight up question. Are you turning away too? And G Peter responded, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, uh, Peter I should say, appeared before in Acts chapter 4, appears before the Sanhedrin near the temple in Jerusalem, and he's on trial for preaching in the name of Jesus. And they say, do not preach in the name of Jesus, or we're going to get you. We're going to sort you out. And Peter, several times he said to him, don't talk in the name of Jesus. Don't talk. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. Don't declare that name. And Peter responded by saying this. He said, there is salvation in no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. Not doctor, not psychiatrist, not politician, not leader. Jesus is the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. Let me ask you a question as we, as we, as we wrap up here. Is there someone you love in chains? Is there someone that you love and you long for in chains? Are they chains of addiction, chains of psychology, chains of circumstance, chains of poverty, chains even of success so that their ears are closed and their hearts are bound and they're not able to come to Jesus. We're going to pray for those people this morning. Would anyone say amen? amen? I also want to pray for you. Do you see within yourself a way today that you need Jesus to set you free? Are you subject to something this morning and say, Lord, I need to be set free of this? Is there an addiction, a power, an urge, a strength, a desire? A direction that you really don't want to go in and you need Jesus to set you free today. Jesus is here. Would anyone say amen?
I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to play the, the ministry song. Maybe the band will come up. We're going to sing the ministry song this morning. And this is something I wanted to do for a while. I like to do a bit of worship as well. If you've been around for any while, you know that. We're going to sing a song. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. We declare, there is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Can we close our eyes just for a moment? If you're here this morning, You've never met this Jesus. You've never had or begun the journey of faith with this Jesus. I know most of you here are believers and regulars who attend here, but just in case there is, is there anybody here who wants to say, Lord, I want to begin a journey with you today. I want to know your words of life. I want to begin that journey with you today. If that's your prayer, if that's where you're at, would you just raise your hand? Only I can see it with the eyes closed. I see your hand down there. I see your hand. I see your hands here. I see there's three hands up. We're going to pray. Praise God. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Would you join me in praying, brothers and sisters? We're going to pray together. I'm going to invite you, if you raise your hand, to pray this prayer with me. And all the others are going to pray it with you in support. Lord Jesus Christ, I declare that your name is the name above all names. Today I turn to you for your forgiveness, for your cleaning, for your power. Take hold of my life. Lead me. Direct me. Walk with me. All the days of my life. From this day on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Can we give a round of applause to those who prayed that prayer this morning? If you pray that prayer, please make sure you see us afterwards. Please make sure you pray, see us afterwards. I want to pray again. Again, let's close our eyes just for a moment. I'm going to do a doubler here, if you don't mind. If you're here this morning and you recognize, you know what, I need the power of Jesus to break this chain in me, to break this power in me, this habit, this pattern, this routine, this reality. I need the power of Jesus at work in me. If that's your reality, with every eye closed, would you raise your hand so that I can see your hand? Okay, I see your hands around this place, brothers and sisters. Just keep your hand in the air for a moment if you're here this morning and you know someone, you love them and you want to see them be set free by the power of Jesus Christ at work in them. You want to see them bow before Jesus and have Jesus set them free. If that's your prayer for them this morning, my hand's up. Would you raise your hand? We're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You came to set the captives free. I declare this morning the power of Jesus Christ over the lives of my brothers and sisters 
who are fighting and struggling in their own war, I pray today, Lord, they would realize that the commander of the Lord of hosts himself is on their side. And however powerful the name of their trouble or their trial or their situation is, there is a name that is stronger, and it is the name of Jesus. And we declare today that it is the will, the purpose, and the plan of Jesus that will work out in our lives, and we will not give away to shame, guilt, or weakness in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, would you empower us to turn to you instead of turning to that? Would you empower us, Lord, to have a pattern of depending on you, not a pattern of depending on whatever it is that we lean on in our lives? Set us free, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for those that we love and that we long for. You know them, Lord. You know the ones that we love and we long for, Lord, and they're stuck in all sorts of patterns and lifestyles and situations. Some of them, Lord, have turned their backs on you. Some of them have never known you and don't want to know you, Lord. Others, Lord, have been stuck in addictions or have fallen away from you, Lord. Others, Lord Jesus, are stuck in mental situations, physical situations, material circumstances that they cannot get out on. Lord Jesus, hear our prayer and set them free in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare today that there is no other name given under heaven by which they must be saved. Lord Jesus, we pray that your power would move upon them, Lord, would convict them and draw them and set them free in Jesus' mighty name because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. You break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Lord, I pray we would go from this place today with your word in our heads and in our hearts, Lord, that whatever we face this week, however strong it may appear to be, it is subject to the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you bless us, go with us, go before us, help us to tell our story. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people say, Amen. Praise God, brothers and sisters. May God bless you richly. We're serving tea and coffee downstairs in the Courtyard Cafe. You're welcome to join us. Sorry I ran over, kinda. God bless you and go with you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.